Do we have to listen to the podcast to see if we're right? You might have to this time. Oh my god. Uh, You can hear the excellent theme song that was recorded by Kurt Feldman. I heard it in my email. Uh, Well, you'll get to hear it with our voices over it. Oh, ew. Here we video games. This is a very special asynchronous episode of Insert Credit. Tim Rogers is out on assignment, so this week we decided to do an episode of all listener questions submitted by subscribers to patreon.com slash insert credit. If you subscribe at any level, you can also get your questions on the show, get episodes a day early, and get access to bonus outtakes to help facilitate the illusion that we are your friends. I'm Alex Jaffe, and joining me is Frank Cifaldi, Oh, hi. I don't have to think of something. Cool. Nope. This is great. <laughs> a gift for I, me to you. I love special episodes. Tim Rogers. I'm Tim Rogers, and I am right now sitting in a bedroom in a house on top of a mountain in New Hampshire, and tomorrow I will not be available to appear on this podcast in real time, so I am submitting my pre-recorded answers before Brandon and Frank record the show, so I don't even know what the prompt is to to go after my name. This is this has been my intro. Bye for now. And Brandon Sheffield. <laughs> Hello, I'm also here. Now, before we get into it, there is something we do have to discuss. Uh, let's talk about the Nintendo Mega Leak because I'm sure we've all been pouring through all the data that's come to light over the past week or so. So that was uh, when someone took a camera into the bathroom and, and watched Shigeru Miyamoto pee and just noted how it was even longer than the Tom Hanks scene in uh, A League of Their Own, right? Yeah, it was a billion <laughs> leak. Yeah, the mega leak. Some uh, very apparently stolen um, Nintendo digital assets uh, leaked out over, uh, I believe, 4chan through some, some mega upload links. There's there's rumors that that seem kind of true that it's all stemming from this uh, server breach from I think 2018 that uh, this kid was arrested for and he's under house arrest with limited internet access I think now the the rumor as I understand it is that these are the files that he maybe sent other people before he destroyed his local copy so there were this was Friday and Saturday uh, what dates were these the uh, the 24th and 25th of July 2020, uh, there were two separate drops. The first one was more like Super Nintendo and uh, Game Boy focused, and the second one was more in the N64 era. I have uh, uh, studied uh, from afar, because I definitely don't have these, um, what, <laughs> what, what these things are made of, and uh, I think it's kind of this interesting combination of files that were put together for external people to access and i actually suspect that's where the server breach was i think he maybe got somewhere where like on an ftp or something where people could get to and then maybe broke into the rest of it and then also there's the really really interesting stuff you might be seeing on twitter from like mario world and stuff like that is actually there were a handful of complete terminal backups from people's computers it's just like here's the hard drive and that stuff's pretty crazy. That's where you see things like the really early sketchy pixel art for Super Mario World 
um, and the the old Yoshi's Island stuff, the actual source code for Star Fox One and Two. It's weird that there are emails in the source code. Well, it's not, uh, well, Brandon, I don't think you were listening. This is a hard drive dump of a computer. Yeah, but it, well, as I the emails are from those, not the source code repository. Okay, uh, then I misunderstood because uh, I was led to believe that those were actually images stored in the ROM. Nope. <laughs> Okay, no, absolutely good. not. No. That, w- so, that would have been really unfortunate. There's two separate things we're looking at here. One is one is a sort of repository of data that I believe was sent to people for porting. And then there's also a handful of uh, backups that they made on tape, I guess in the 90s, that they managed to recover. A uh, heartbreaking thing is that there's a, a report in there from the people who did the tape backups. Uh, they had 41, and I think they read like five of them successfully. Oh, wow uh so Whoop. yeah exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> that's exactly right uh jaffe's phone <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh this is pretty unsubstantiated territory and it's 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 caused some mixed emotions i've found so l is real uh actually yeah so in the mario 64 repo there is just a model for luigi and it seems pretty early um, I didn't see anything that indicated that he survived very long. It's just like an early model. There's no like HUD icon or, or anything like that. You know, for all we know, he could have just been an NPC like Yoshi or something. Or he could have just been a 3D model when, you know, in the earliest days of the project, they were like, look, we can make them run around in 3D. We just don't know. So he's real, but he's dead. He's he's a he's just a corpse. Yes, there is no life to <laughs> Luigi's Luigi. corpse is buried underneath the star fountain in uh, Princess Peach's <laughs> pavilion. They should They're... send him to uh, send him to his mansion. They <laughs> could, except we don't have the source for that, so he would just be in the ether. Uh, I guess so. There's just endless fascinating weird stuff to talk about. Like you talked about the email backups. So in order to get it, there, there were email attachments in there, right? And these terminals that they were using were the Sony News Computer, something I had never heard until this leak happened. And what someone did to get into those emails was they took the they took the image, the tape image, they hacked that information into a hard drive image of a Sony News terminal. They emulated Sony News in MAME, which, which by the way, added news support like two or three months ago. Weird. Wow. And in MAME, emulating their terminal, brute force the password... <laughs> to log into that terminal wrote a script to go into the email files and extracted all of the attachments from the emails to go through those. yeah and then among those attachments which I, I tweeted about because it was pretty exciting to me even though it's a small victory uh was the final uh lot check approved build of hit the ice for the nes which is a hockey rpg that never came out i dumped a prototype cartridge of that way back in 2002 that wasn't quite done and now we have the real final one, which we know is the real final one. Because last year, the earliest, earliest version of these leaks had a spreadsheet that was the entirety of LotCheck. And we have the CRC hashes of the final ROMs for this game, and they match. That's fantastic. Yeah. A whole <laughs> lost <laughs> of, game recovered. Of all the things to talk about, I'm like, <laughs> there's, there's a build of this hockey RPG where the uh, English script isn't quite as bad. I, I I'm totally behind that. I is it, get uh, it. I'm not even going to make fun. Is it different from the the Turbo Graphics Hit the Ice? 
Um, yes, and it's much. It's very similar to the two Turbo Graphics weird RPGs, the tennis one and and uh, Final Lap Twin. Yeah, uh, Wonder Stadium. All right, let's get into these listener questions, shall we? But yes. hockey RPG. Yeah, we've had enough of that. Nobody wants to hear anymore. <laughs> Didn't even talk about all the, the Ocarina of Time stuff. That was or the covered. human woman in Star Fox. <laughs> yeah, or the pieces of Animal Crossing from when it was a Diablo clone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this question is from Chris. Chris says, sound technicians often have a go-to album when testing and calibrating a system at a venue professionally. Steely hmm. Dan's Asia is a common one. What is the Asia of video games? Hmm... Aja? Is that a JoJo reference? I believe would be the joke that people would want somebody to make at some point on this show. So I would like to point out real quick that I actually have a small set of songs which I use for testing out new headphones. And those songs are Superstar by Jagatara, Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine, Monkey Trick by The Jesus Lizard, Woman S by Size, and Drunk Afternoon by Number Girl. So... Uh, calibration for video games, I think, can mean a bunch of different things, and probably the most boring of these different things is the the simple PC benchmark idea. So if we go by this metric, that would make the current Steely Dan of video games something like Final Fantasy XV, whereas a couple years ago it would have been Crisis. Maybe it's Red Dead Redemption 2 now? Maybe until then it was Witcher 3? I don't know. I think we tend to think of calibration in a strictly uh, audio-visual sort of stereo instruction manually kind of sense and we we leave tactile elements out of that so i'm gonna say that if uh if i'm talking about the calibrational qualities of a game i want to take the controller into it and into account so we would need a game that's got tight action and hot graphics and sound something that i bust out when i want to see if a controller is any good or not so my game video ball runs at 8k and 300 frames per second and I played it on like literally 88 different controllers. So maybe that's too personal though. So I would say uh, Celeste is a good game for testing both a controller and a stereo system at the same time. Though uh, uh, that's that's a good one for good controller feel. Though you know what? Absolutely, actually, now I, I'm changing my mind. I think it's Grand Theft Auto V. Grand Theft Auto V is probably the game to bust out to test a setup slash controller. Grand Theft Auto V. That's my answer. Uh, thank you. Okay, so what are we testing? Sound? Graphics. Uh, <laughs> we're testing graphics. We're testing gra- oh, so it's, uh, it's like a uh, PC oh, benchmark. Resolution. Yeah, well, it's Crisis, obviously. Yeah, Crisis <laughs> is definitely the age of video games. I don't know if that's still true, um, but for a long time, Crisis was the one. Uh, I think the current PC build test benchmark is actually Control, um, because you cannot crank Control settings all the way with all of that ray tracing and such. Um, on any available commercial card right now. Mm. Um, I I would say Doom, in the sense that the first thing you try to do with any interactive electronics is to get Doom to run on it. Yeah, I was going to say Doom for lower-level computers, the, like a, like your toaster or your... Uh, smart fridge. Your smart but what are, you, what are you testing by getting Doom on there? If it can do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's for like something that's only meant to... I mean, something that's supposed to be very extremely low level and, and like, I don't know, get Alexa, your smart speaker to run to run Doom or something like that. That's uh, OK. That's the stuff. OK, but don't do that. Don't do that on the smart speaker. No. Yes. Yeah, they're monitoring are... you. You don't want the government to know 
you're playing oh, Doom. Yeah, I think probably Control is it, I guess. Um, well, that's if it's PC benchmarks, right? Um, if it's visual display stuff. It's just I'm having a hard time interpreting the question, right? Because it's like, am I, t- am I testing a TV? I My personal, like, seeing if my CRT calibration looks good is I just know what Super Mario Brothers colors are. Ah. So when I'm calibrating a CRT, it's just like, is that sky that exact weird purple? Yeah, that makes sense. I would definitely be going more in the uh, sonic direction on that one because when when a connector gets loose or something back behind my CRT and uh, the Sega logo comes up and it's the wrong color of whatever 13 blues that they use across the life of uh, mm-hmm. Sega, if it's, if it's not any of those, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, That's not right. Let's think about calibrating for a venue. I guess a venue in video game terms would be, I don't know, an esports competition. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, they're, people... testing, they're testing right. latency and stuff. Um, right. How do you test latency? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I know how to just... do that. Uh, my friend Brian uh, made a console called the AVS. It's like a, a an NES that's an FPGA thing. It's like 720p NES. And, and his actual benchmark that he found is that if you uh, play Bionic Commando, it says press start on the screen. And on the actual frame that you press start, the press start text starts flashing. So that is an instantaneous test that I enjoy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's pretty good. I think good. that's the best answer we're going to get. Yeah. Uh, so what did Tim say? I think Tim might have gotten gotten to control because he's all about the, the PC stuff. He would have said game something in. about ray tracing, that's yeah. for sure. He sure, I think ray. so too. Everybody loves ray tracing. <laughs> that's true. I've heard it. Do we have to listen to the podcast to see if we're right? You might <laughs> have to this time. Oh my God. Right. Uh, you can hear the excellent theme song that was recorded by Kurt Feldman. I That's heard right. it in my email. Uh, well, you'll get to hear it with our voices over it. I oh, <laughs> This question is from Emmett. What games best evoke the feeling of being an actor taking on a role in a stage play? Oh, in a stage play? There's a really good Psychonauts level that's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, did you play that, Jaffe? I did play Psychonauts. Yeah, I, I mean, liked it a lot. It's not that you're an actor, I guess, in that in that level. It's uh, you are assisting a stage director uh, for this weird play inside of uh, a sort of Sunset Boulevard esque actress's brain. Yeah, there's um, a little bit of Phantom of the Opera in there. Yeah, I guess you're not really playing an actor in that sense, so maybe that's not a good one. I feel like any like this is a maybe not in the pure spirit of the question, but I feel like any open world RPG, Western RPG is basically like that because you've got a role that you can't fully get into your, uh, everybody else around you is totally stilted. Like you can not know your line sometimes, uh, like you don't know where to go to me. it, It feels analogous to that, but maybe that's just my, my like elementary school play experience. I also, uh, I'm kind of starting to think about games where the entire point is perfection, is just repeating a performance over and over till you get it right. Like Stuntman. Or Street Fighter. Yeah. Uh, maybe not Street Fighter, because there's too many variables, right? Like, it's it's two-player. Or, or is, is one player a perfection run? Uh, I, I see. You mean, like, a perfect game kind of system, not a, not you, you must perfect your skills. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of stuff like Celeste, right, where it's it's perfection platforming. It's just, like, failing over and over until you nail the take. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess all games eventually become that when you get to the speedrunning level. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Speed uh, running Super Mario 64 is, is like high-level Shakespeare stuff. Right. Te- Tetris the Grandmaster. Well, no, I don't I know. In Shakespeare, there's room to put your own spin on a character. You're too. right. Just like Tetris. <laughs> okay. Just like Tetris. Yeah, your, your own, own spin. spin. Um, <laughs> I want to throw out Dynamite Hetty because that all takes place on a on a play set, basically. Like everything like, uh, is, is uh, you know, held up with, with little sticks and stuff. Rules. Yeah. And then um, I, I think we discussed this in the old days on the podcast, but Mario 3 feels like oh, theming yeah. wise, it was very much like you're uh, you're you're in a play. Definitely. And you could go behind the set, etc. Actually, not I, th- pretend I think anyone remembers what happened in the old days of the podcast. You can <laughs> just hit refresh on that. I don't remember the name of it, but the River City Ransom sequel that was only in Japan is the kids doing a medieval Japan play. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. Uh, what do we think Tim said? So what games best evoke the feeling of being an actor taking on a role in a stage play? So I, I, I wonder if this question is based on, there was a part in my The Last of Us video review that I did last month on uh, my, my Action Button YouTube channel where I talk about the player as an actor re-role-playing uh, games. I said, uh, we, we talk about role-playing games, we throw around the word role-playing games a lot, and I think we've sort of... Uh, I mean, we talk about role-playing a lot. We don't, we don't always talk about the fact that role-playing implies that the player is a sort of an actor. And The Last of Us has uh, several scenes that require, that sort of require, not really require, they encourage players to be thinking as though they are actually a person living in an apocalypse. And during these downtime moments, you have to go scrounge in uh, abandoned houses, and it feels kind of like an immersive theater experience. Though that doesn't necessarily feel like, when you, when you phrase it as uh, evoking the feeling of being an actor taking on a role in a stage play, what I think of, I think of, of Metal Gear Solid 3 is a video game that I feel like has a lot of dramatic performance elements in it. And I feel like, um, so Metal Gear Solid 2 did a really good job of offering you a pacifist route that lets you put people to sleep uh, by shooting them with the, 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 the non-lethal weapons. Metal Gear Solid 3 has that sort of stuff as well, though it also has this really sublime level design that when you're playing badly or violently or stupidly, the game really, it lets you know. It doesn't punish you. It lets you know because the show must go on and such. And then there are all these dramatic moments, such as the the final boss where the camera just slowly zooms out and it's up to you to press a button to pull the trigger to to execute your enemy. And uh, it's just all sad. And it really feels, it feels like, more like dramatic acting, I think, than any video game I've ever played. And I believe I only have three seconds left. Uh, thank you. I've, I've actually heard that a lot of people are going back and starting at the beginning of the show, which is interesting. And Yeah, I have seen some of that. People ask me about the missing episode 19, which uh, lives on in legend. <laughs> well, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's great. Oh, yeah. I eventually went back and recorded a new episode 19, which was just me. Uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Still my favorite episode. <laughs> Uh, what do we think Tim said with 50 seconds left? I think I think Tim might have gotten gone the route I did with uh, uh, games where you have to perfect your your uh, your run. I bet he I, mentioned Mario 3, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's always thinking about Mario 3. He loves thinking about that. Speaking too. of Mario 3, here's question number three. Mm. This one's from Kyle. He says, which video game doctor most deserves to have their medical license revoked? Dr. Mario, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, he might be, like, the the kind of celebrity doctor that just gives pills to people and gets rich because of it. Yeah, he might not be an actual doctor. He's the yeah. guy that killed Michael Jackson. 
<laughs> Dr. Mario? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> didn't didn't you watch the documentary? It was crazy. <laughs> I haven't really played Under the Knife. I wish uh I wish I had done that, but I feel like there's a lot of medical malpractice going on with that. It it there's just uh I don't know, cutting someone open with a Wiimote doesn't it doesn't seem like you should do that. No. Or I think at one point you're drawing pentagrams inside them in like trauma yeah. center. I, I feel like demonology shouldn't be a part of medical practice, but that's just me. I mean, it's something maybe as a patient you can opt into, like an alternative medicine thing, but you know, it shouldn't be at the hospital. Uh, that one doctor from Bioshock probably should not have his license. Oh yeah, the one that makes you like kill people and take photos of their corpses, right? Oh no, that's the uh, stage director. Uh, oh, that your... was the actor yeah, answer. That was the actor. <laughs> it always goes back to Bioshock. <laughs> there's a there's all kinds of Nazi doctors in these um, World War II games. Mm. Wolfenstein, uh, etc. Oh, doctors. I just played uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. There was a Nazi doctor there. Oh yeah, what about Doctor Jones? Does he should he get his? Uh... He's he doesn't not have a medical, medical license. Come on. Yeah, of course not. But, uh... <laughs> Do you think you know. Dr. Robotnik has a veterinary license with, like, all the animals he's able to uh, channel into his robots? Yeah, it's not clear what he's a doctor of. Yeah. Um, can you be a doctor of robotics? I don't think so. You can get your doctorate I, yeah, you in robotics. You can get your doctorate in anything. Yeah. yeah. Come on. That doesn't really... I don't know. He's probably... I, I think he's got to be some sort of experimental vet, like uh, Island of Dr. Moreau style. Sure veterinary practice he could probably save sonic oh god okay which video game doctor most deserves to have their license revoked i i'm trying to i'm just scrambling to think of video game doctors and i keep coming back to dr mario the archetypical video game doctor the very first doctor we ever saw in a video game who was some kind of a role model that we saw and we thought oh uh video games can be about doctors they don't just have to be about people killing people you can have a doctor as the main character of a video game and it's mario except he's dressed up as a doctor I'm pretty sure he doesn't, he's not actually a doctor, right? Because uh, he's, he's a full-grown man with a goddamn mustache who, has, who is an, has, possesses expertise in a trade such as plumbing. Does he have time to go to medical school and literally become a real doctor? Or is he some kind of fraud doctor? And I know this is the answer that probably Brandon and Frank probably came around to at some point. And I'm going to try to guess, uh, if, if this is what I would have contributed to their discussion, which is he just... His, his solution for viruses, and, or whatever they are, they're viruses, right? They're some kind of evil little cartoon virus bugs. His solution is to just throw a whole bunch of pills at them, and occasionally the pills miss and don't land on the right viruses. You can't take the wrong medicine for a, a, a virus. If you have some specific virus in your body, and you take a goddamn not the right pill, if you have a blue virus and you take a yellow pill, that, that's... a uh, it's possible that that can have lethal side effects, for God's sake. You know? What other doctors are there in video games? I don't even know. It's just Dr. Mario. I keep seeing Dr. Mario. So he doesn't even have a license. So he should, uh, I guess that's just, instead of having his license revoked, he should do time in prison. Instead of, because if he doesn't have a license, you can't revoke it. And I'm pretty sure it's a crime. Dr. Mario, that's stolen valor. Dr. Mario. Stolen Valor. So Tim probably said Dr. Mario, right? Yeah, Dr. Mario. He probably probably said Dr. Mario. Well, I think he skipped that because it was too obvious. Oh, yeah. He probably said Dr. Wario. 
from the uh, WarioWare games. He probably said Dr. Wowie. Yeah. He, he loves that one. Just because he likes to say it. I love Dr. Wowie. I, I, I pulled up a list of 10 video game doctors, and I don't, I barely know any of these. <laughs> Who's on there? Um, from the Harvest Moon series, Tim. All oh, right. I, I don't know Dr. Tim. Far Cry 3's Alec Earnhardt. I don't okay. know her. Uh, Dr. Mundo from League of Legends. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I'll, Doctor, I'll of that. Doctor, except that exists. Dr. Baldhead from the Guilty Gear series. Oh, that's a good doctor. Is he? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Uh, Dr. Zed from the Borderlands series. Okay. Albert Contiello from Dead Rising 3. Never played it. Didn't either. Lichy Fei Ling from Blaze Blue. Okay. Yep. Isn't there a doctor character in Skullgirls? Uh, I don't know. Uh, she's a nurse. Yeah. Does that it, count? Kind of. It must be. Must be really hard to find doctors. Number three is Amy Sage, which is uh, a character you can get in your party that's only good at healing in Fantasy Star 2. Okay. <laughs> I think we're going to say that's the best video game doctor. Is Amy Sage? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always leave her at home, but I, so I wouldn't know. Uh, this question is from Jordan. Jordan asks, over the past decade, I've put at least 5,000 hours into football manager games. Why? Is it a good game or am I just an idiot? Well, first of all, I want to thank Jordan Mechner, uh, creator of Prince of Persia, for listening to our show. <laughs> I think Classic. that's really cool. So the question is, what's wrong with him? Yeah, what's wrong with him for putting 5,000 hours into Football Manager game? Nothing's Pro- wrong with you. Probably nothing. It's yeah. it's cool. I mean, those sort of, sorts of spreadsheet games where it's like, let's make the numbers go the right direction are pretty compelling, I think. And in my case, I don't play those, but I do play some raising sims where you know, every day you got to set up a training regimen and you got to choose what food they eat and what jobs they do so you can get more money to pay for more training so that eventually they can like fight a battle or do whatever else like in um, Tactical Fighter on the Saturn. And it's kind of fun to just poke at a system and see where it goes and be like, oh, if I do this, then this happens. And keeping that kind of information in your head can sort of give you a a grip on reality and uh, or or your own sanity and can mm-hmm. kind of push you in a direction i feel especially during times like these like it's it's a compelling thing to just be able to play directly with the system of a video game it's all pretty much available for you to figure out through trial and error and that's 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 pretty nice i think yeah i kind of wonder if jordan um should get uh back into programming if he's <laughs> feeling that way yeah, because that might be a really it might it might satisfy that that same itch to right. like uh, to program a game from scratch and just mess with the systems all the time. Yeah, Jordan Mechner, we're we're ready for uh, whatever kind of running and jumping game you've got next. I bet it's football related. <laughs> we got a rotoscoping studio uh, next to my office here uh, inside yeah. of Mother Ocean. We're ready to go. There you go. He he probably wants to make a sequel to that game, um, Marco. On the Sega CD, where you could um, Marco like the Magic Football one, yes, <laughs> because of Football Manager. Oh yeah, yeah, he manages that football. He manages that whole the game. football. The whole game is about managing that football, indeed. And so, um, I don't, I don't. Just to conclude, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that's any different than like doing Sudoku every day. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's the exact same thing. It's just something that that uh, makes your brain feel good and i don't think there's anything wrong with it yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's almost uh brain training in a way yeah 
So you say you've spent at least 5,000 hours in football manager games. So they say 10,000 hours is, is about how much you got to do something before you can consider yourself an expert or a master at it. So first of all, are you, are you wasting your time? Do you think you're, you're asking if you're an idiot or not? I don't know. I'm not going to say whether you, I, I need to know more about you to know whether you're an idiot or not. I need more information to make the judge of idiot or no idiot. However, I would say, at, at the very least, look at it this way. 5,000 hours, you're halfway to mastery. You have almost mastered football manager games. And in all seriousness, I actually think football manager games are pretty good. And I think uh, we go back to the oft-quoted, oft-misquoted, oft-paraphrased, oft-misparaphrased Sid Meier quote, um, where video games are a series of interesting choices. I hear some people paraphrase it as interesting decisions. I believe he said interesting choices. Football manager games are, are choices. You make interesting choices. Little interesting choices. Little nuggets of choice. And then you get to sit back. And I'm always in pursuit, personally, me personally, of of a good dinner time game. A game I can play while eating dinner. And I feel like a football manager game comes pretty close. Because you do have these idle moments. At least uh, in the I haven't played them in a very, very long time. And when I did play them, I didn't pay enough attention to them or pour enough hours into them. You know what I'm going to say? I, I'm all for video games that you you wind it up and watch it go. You You make a couple of decisions and then you watch a thing. I think we really need to make games that have a nice division between making some decisions and then watching something dramatic, dynamic, and interesting unfold. And I think that could be a new genre of video games right alongside this new, I don't want to say plague, this new wave of, of FMV-like games and games that you're just watching, games like Until Dawn. Anyway, football manager games, I've always wanted to pretend, to learn how to pretend that I was into those games so I could steal your valor, uh, football valor. And so, I mean, you're cooler than me, then. I'm going to uh, go on a limb and say Tim did a bunch of soliloquizing about how football is the perfect sport. Yeah, but he he probably... No, he probably wouldn't, because football manager is about soccer. Soccer, yeah. Ah, well, there we go. I, I, I Americans. Wrong football. Yeah. I do think he's not going to fall for the trap of, um, of, of saying that anything's wrong with this person. No. Uh, I mean, he likes Jordan Mechner. We all do. Everybody yeah. likes Jordan Mechner. Everybody likes ray tracing and Jordan Mechner and nothing else. <laughs> Here's question number five. I'm going to afford us a little more time for this one. Sam asks, in honor of the imminent pre-orderability of the analog pocket, are there any Neo Geo pocket, Game Gear, Atari Lynx, or obscure Game Boy games worth looking into? Uh, Ooh. Heck, well, heck. thank you. Thank you, uh, Sam Hauser uh, of Rockstar Games for <laughs> listening to the podcast. Yeah, he loves this show. Um, okay, so... What was the list of systems? Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, Neo Geo Pocket Game Gear. The Atari, Atari Lynx, Lynx or Obscure or Game Boy games. Obscure Game Boy. And let's throw Game Boy Advance in there as well. Sure, we I actually have GBA. a thread. We have a thread about, well, two threads about this on the Insert Credit forums right now. Yeah, that's where we GBA. talk about the show. Yeah. And forums.insertcredit.com. Um, check it out. I deleted Facebook. That's where I hang out now. Check it out. Um we did a GBA list, and I did a personal Game Gear list. So, I'll, Frank, I'll let you do some because I got I got so many. Sure, you got you got Sylvan Tail on there, I'm sure for Game oh, Gear. Oh, I got Sylvan Tail. Yeah, yeah let's talk about Game Tail. Gear first. Okay, Sylvan Tail is uh, is maybe the highest recommendation. Game Gear's you know it's it's got an okay library, but there's there's very few like gems that are actually worth it in there. I feel I it's I felt that way earlier, but I. I don't know. I I kind of maybe it's my hunger for more old things. <laughs> okay. But I've 
I've dug deeper into there and, and, you know, Sil- Sylvan Tale was definitely one of those ones where I just tried it randomly on my GP32 emulator and was like, wow, this is actually extremely good and a little action RPG where you turn into animals and stuff. But I also found a, a bunch of other cool ones. Like, um, there's a Godzilla game on there, which is a tactics game that has real time battles, but you play as the monsters. It's probably my favorite Godzilla game. Uh, there's two shooters, GGLS Day 1 and 2, which are both compile games, and all compile games are like, I don't know, maximizing the system they're on, which is pretty cool. The Shining Force games are very good on there. They're they're like, if you wanted more Genesis Shining Force games, because they basically stopped making that style of game entirely, uh, there's three of them, and that's nice. There's the... Um, Megami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible series. The first one on Game Gear is an upgrade of the Game Boy Color version of, and this is like these weird handheld Shin Megami Tensei games. Um, there's also an English patch of that. And then there's a, a Megami Tensei Gaiden special, which is a dungeon crawler and is unique to Game Gear. There's a Valus like on there called Psychic World. And then there are all these neat ports, like down ports of Genesis games. Like Psych- Gun- Psychic World, though, play the MSX version if you can. That's the real one. Yeah, that's true. There's cool ports of Gunstar Heroes, Dynamite Heady, Ristar. Uh, hey, these are not obscure. You're going out of bounds. N- well, that obscure was only for Game Boy. The rest was just that's retro. True. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I um, want to add a Game Gear one while I can. Um, please do. I, d- I don't know that I necessarily love the game but uh popples is a puzzle game uh designed by uh fukio mitsuji uh who designed bubble bobble and bubble bobble 2 and it's kind of like the only other game he did that was even remotely like those two and another fun thing about that is when they released it in the u.s it's just the japanese cartridge they just put the japanese cartridge out here that's great yeah it's it's got Japanese on it and everything. They were just like, well, here it is. I don't know. <laughs> Are there any other games like that where they just released the Japanese version in America? Like it was literally the label or just the insides? The the label is also Japanese. Wow. Yeah. It, this do, maybe doesn't count, but the PlayStation Network uh, releases of PlayStation 1 games, there were a bunch of them that were just like here's the japanese game and they gave you a supplemental manual pdf yeah the the digital stuff yeah and you worked on those um the the some of the internals of some early nes games are just the famicom board with an adapter but you know the outside is obviously american yeah um i can't think of anywhere like the labels literally the same it's kind of weird yeah it's really strange it's got japanese on it yeah Real quick, let's do Game Boy, Obscure Game Boy. Uh, we talk about For the Frog, the Bell Tolls a lot on this yeah, show. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so. That is a, a uh, very highly recommended recommendation. I would uh, also put Trip World way the heck up there. You should be uh, downloading all of these, by the way, not buying them. Sure. <laughs> For the Frog, the Bell Tolls, there's an English patch. Uh, and Trip World... Uh, if you don't, you, you can buy like five flashcards for the price of Trip World. Right. Uh, Cave Noir, which is one you actually turned me on to, Frank. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Love it's that a Konami, game. Konami uh, roguelike. Yeah, it's it's really, it's it was my first roguelike that I enjoyed. Nice. Yeah. 
It's oh, not. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw out Link's Awakening, even though it's not obscure. If yeah, that's something if you've you been haven't played it, you avoiding. should play it. Yeah. Um, I'll get some obscure-ish Game Boy Advance games here. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna end Game Boy with. Oh, yeah. If if you like that Zelda style game, it's got some weird ones. So the the Golden Eye game, for example, is a weird Zelda like starring James Bond. Great. And there's something I really like about a Zelda-like aesthetic on black and white Game Boy specifically that I can't put my, my finger on, but I love it. Oh, speaking of which, you should probably play that Metal Gear Solid game for Game Boy Color. Yeah, that one's pretty good, too. Yeah. Frank, if I had to guess, um, those, those Zelda-likes are at their best when they're playing with a, the, the idea of a larger possibility space and they're making you feel like the world is bigger than it is and somehow those kinds of grayscale black and white graphics they leave even more to the imagination because you you kind of have to so i, I wonder yeah. if it's feeding into that i think that's true because when i'm playing Link's awakening i'm like i can do anything in this within these constraints right yeah not as a player as, as a as a maker yeah some GBA games. These won't all be super obscure, but uh, the Summon Knight Swordcraft story games are really cool. It's like a dungeon crafting RPG thing within the Summon Knight tactics RPG universe, but it's it's more of an action RPG. Um, Riviera, that's a Sting game. This is a very uh, old insert credit video game. Started started life on the Wonder Swan and uh, then came to the GBA. Drill Dozer is an obvious one. Ninja 5.0 is just one of those games that is so clearly designed around movement and motion. It really feels like this person thought about speedrunning before speedrunning was popular. Oh, that's a good actor game. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, Ninja 5.0 is is 100% a perfection, like a, a perfect system kind of yeah. game that you can go through. I love it. I actually think the King of Fighters... EX games get a bad rap. I think KOF EX2, especially on the analog pocket with four face buttons, will be really nice to play. Racing Gears, if you like Euro-style top-down arcade rally games, that one rules. Onimusha Tactics, I love that game. It's a simple tactics game, but very enjoyable uh, in in what it does. And uh, a little more obscure one is the Azumanga Dio puzzle game that's on there it's like a card game where you're trying to match all of these you're trying to match stars together the cards all have stars and they're in different configurations and you're trying to make a straight line between them almost like a more complex gunpei for wonder swan i actually played that game for the first time frank when i was cat sitting for you and using your gba rom oh the uh, flash flash card yeah yeah that was pretty good on Uh, on for god's sake just play mother three if you've been waiting that's the one I still uh, haven't. If if you're like, oh, I don't want flashcard or whatever, I'm looking at AliExpress right now. It's literally like five dollars uh, shipped from China. If you just need a piece of garbage cartridge to play the game, I should get it. God darn it! Um, just get flashcard. Sure. Yeah. I will. What did Tim say? Wait, I have more. Okay. Uh, we have to talk about. We have to talk about links. Yeah, the links. I got nothing to say about links. It's the, all you. There's not very much to say, but there's a game called Zaku, which is from Penguinet. Ah. Um, and it's a fan game that came out way, way, way after the death of the Lynx. And it's basically Airzonk um, with different characters. But it's far and away the best looking 
game on the links. And so it was a links to the past, I suppose. It was a links to the past for sure. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and say, and I know that uh, maybe Brandon and wouldn't wouldn't agree with me 100% here, that I'm just going to say Game Gear sucks. Atari Lynx sucks. They both suck. I don't think there's any reason to play any of those games. I think everything about those consoles was just that it had a, a, a color screen with a some sort of a really bad light on it. Uh, the Game Gear had the really bad front light. I think those game systems suck, and I think all the games on them suck. I mean, I like that Shining Force game on the Game Gear. Though, let's get serious, right? Uh, I mean, it, they're just not really that good. I think unless you are training to become something like a professor of video game history, who t-heck cares about the goddamn Game Gear and the Atari Lynx? However, I'm going to recommend, I saw a bunch of threads on Twitter uh, in, in light of this uh, Analog Pocket thing coming out. And you know what? I think you can pre-order up to two of those. I'm going to pre-order two of those. I'm going to get both of them, uh, whatever there's other two colors. I don't know how many colors are. I'm going to get them. I'm going to wake up early in the morning, August 3rd, and get them. God darn going to get them. So um, I, well, the games that I actually, I saw a lot of these threads where people are recommending games saying, play this, play this, play this. Uh, what Game Boy Advance games should I play? Everybody giving these really boring, hyper-obvious examples. I keep seeing people bring up Golden Sun as though that's a game nobody's ever heard of. Oh, you should play Golden Sun, dude. No. Here's the two games I am actually going to play. I actually own both of these cartridges for some reason. I've, I've, I've carried them around. I've played both of these games. I'm going to play them again on my dock, on my analog pocket. I'm going to play Car Battler Joe, which is a Pokemon-like game about action Super Mario Kart style battle mode car race uh, battles. I'm going to play Car Battler Joe. Wonderful game. Music by Yuzo Koshiro. And I'm also going to play Sima the Enemy, which is a game that's C-I-M-A, the enemy. Game by Neverland, makers of Lufia. It's a weird sort of isometric real-time strategy game. I'm going to play Sima the Enemy again, because maybe I might be doing a review of Lufia to Rise of the Centrals at some point. Any guesses for what Wild I think garbage. Too, I think it's too say. big for, for guessing. Yeah, too know. big. We're good. Um, Let's go to the break. I bet he didn't say any uh, Lynx games, though. No. If I had a little more money, it would be kind of awesome. <laughs> yes. Welcome back to a very asynchronous insert credit. Here's question number six. Which video game script and which film or TV cast would you match up for one of those table reads over Zoom that there are a lot of these days? That Uh, comes from uh, Root Fifth Octave. Root Fifth Octave, okay. So which one would be a good Zoom table read? Which film or TV cast would you match up to do a Zoom table read of a video game script? Okay, so, for, so we're we're getting a different cast to yeah. read. Okay, got it. Yeah, so it's like the the, the cast of Friends reads Sonic Unleashed. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, obviously okay. David Schwimmer would be Sonic. That's right. All right, I like this. First, we have to think of a video game script we want anyone to read. Right, yeah, and it has to be... So, I mean, immediately, I'm just saying it's the cast of Deadwood. Okay. Like straight up. I don't but they're reading something stupid like Sonic 2016. Uh how about how about re- the original Resident Evil? Yeah, uh, that could work. I would go with the uh, the cast of Detroiters, uh Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson reading uh Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Mm, that's pretty good. But the the you know all the dialogue in that is like 5 minutes. 
Yeah, well, it's a short table read. All right, all right. Okay, I'm I'm trying to put something together here. I just don't know which. Okay, the cast of the Family Guy reading the script from the Simpsons game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. It's hard to think of a video game that I would have a fun time listening to. Okay, maybe I would like. We mentioned Sonic 2016 already, but what if the cast of Atlanta reads? Sonic 2016. Oh, that would be fun. Sonic 2006 is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be good. I would like that one. How about the cast of SpongeBob SquarePants? Sure. uh, Reading the script from um, the later, the the sequel typing of the dead, where they curse a lot. Uh, Uh, Man, that would be kind of a bummer. I don't know. It's fun in concept, (laughs) but I feel like I'd get tired of it after 15 seconds. Well, that's enough. I think you could get the cast of uh, the Sailor Moon US TV show reading uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you wouldn't notice the difference. Ooh. Did you ever like see that, that video where they got Gilbert Gottfried to do a lot of video game dialogue? No, but that sounds right. That exists on the internet. Everything's Iago. Right. <laughs> I mean, we could, uh, we could fulfill a fantasy and get the cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia to do detective pikachu oh yeah i guess that would work man i could not i could not get very far with that show i think i the problem is i started trying to watch it in 2020 and it's mm. it, it's just oh like, yeah that's the problem yeah because it's it's of that era of like we like comedy shows where everyone's terrible yeah right and, like i could not recommend anyone start the venture brothers right now or right or yeah. arrested development like yeah. no yeah yeah it's unfortunate um but I, I, so I found a good, in my brain here, I found a really good video game. I'm not sure what the cast should be. Okay. Uh, Shenmue mm. would be really good for some, somebody. How about the cast of Gosford Park? Like real actor, actors, uh, trying to do the looking for some sailors and maybe I'll have another kind of right. stuff. I well, I think the lines themselves, as written, are mostly okay. Other than the weird responses, like mm-hmm. "Ask me another time," I see. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, we're coming up against the end, so I'm just gonna say "Twin Peaks" and "Deadly Premonition." Come oh, on, yeah, of course, Come yeah, on. sure, 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 of course. All right. So I, I I actually don't know what these are. These table reads over Zoom that there are in a lot of these days. I'm not a hundred percent sure what that means. Is that some sort of? I'm assuming it's some kind of like Twitter meme thing. I don't really look at Twitter very much. I look at my own mentions. I know that really sounds uh, arrogant. I try to not, for my for my personal health, I try to not, like, read too much of uh, the social media zeitgeistiness. I remember a, a while back, there was, like, a table read that was done for, uh, was it Empire Strikes Back? And they had, like, Ellen Page voicing uh, Han Solo. That actually sounded kind of cool. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking right now. So, I just mentioned Star Wars. And I just, uh, uh, I try to not talk about Star Wars uh, publicly too much. I like Star Wars, whatever. And I know that, uh, that people love talking about how Oscar Isaac and uh, John Boyega got done dirty by the character development of their characters in Star Wars. And that last Star Wars movie kind of sucked. Uh, um, uh, so here's what I'm thinking. And I also know that uh, uh, people want uh, Oscar Isaac to play Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think he's got the right the right face and the right attitude for it. I think you should have him. I think I would like to hear uh, a table read of Metal Gear Solid 1 hosted by 
Kong Skull Island director Jordan Vote Roberts, featuring the cast of the Star Wars episode 7, 8, 9. John Boyega as Liquid Snake. Oscar Isaac as a Solid Snake. That's my, this is my attempt to think as a, as a marketing person. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think what would, what would get maximum clicks on the internet, as if you could get those people. I assume I have to pick a cast, and I have to pick a game. I can't just, like, swap people in. Or do I, or can I, like, make a dream cast here? Uh, it's my Sega joke. Um, uh, I'm now wondering if I misinterpreted the question. It's too late. I only have four seconds. My final answer. Oscar Isaac, Solid Snake, do it. Uh, what do we think Tim said? I don't know, man. Okay. <laughs> T- Tim, Tim said something about uh, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and Metal Gear or something. Not Metal Gear, but something like that. Maybe he went on a side tangent about Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, we didn't do any Kojima scripts. Right. So. That's true. Yeah, we, uh, maybe, maybe Tim talked about his bad health care <laughs> instead <laughs> of the question. Yeah, that's plausible. Uh, Mox Bagel asks, what beloved game would be most improved by being ported into an FMV game? Hmm. Interesting. Well, nothing would be. Nothing would be improved. No, I, I think, don't know. I think the like the the where the place this question is coming from is like Metal Gear Solid Five. Why didn't you just make a movie, Kojima? Right, like that kind of thing. So Metal Gear Solid Five. No, it's a fun game. Is it? I actually don't. There's know. I the, actually it. Metal Gear Solid Five is like. To if anything light in the movie stuff, it's it's or more was it, of just a was game. it four that people said that about four is the movie. Oh, one. four is yeah, the right. Okay, sorry, my mistake. That's what I get for not playing those. Here's here's another one. What's what's it called? Like Asura Asura's Wrath. That would be um, a good FMV game. Why? Yeah, because because there were so much of it was like just waiting for you to rotate the joystick or do a QTE or stuff. Um, and I think it would simplify the whole thing if you were just if it were just an FMV. Okay, is there a good FMV game? Night Trap? No. People like Sewer Shark. I don't know why. No. Um, you know what? I, which one I actually kind of enjoyed, and maybe it was just because of the music, and it was late at night, and it was goofy nostalgia stuff. But Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on the Sega CD. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. Kind of works. One. I haven't played it yet. Kind of works. Well, I guess. Some of those like Mad Dog McCree style ones aren't too bad. Oh, um, Corpse, Corpse Killer, Corpse Killer is actually a legitimately fun one. What about okay. the Seventh Guest? You know, I never played it. Yeah, I hear a and good thing. I don't know if that's an FMV game. It has FMVs in it, but isn't it more of a mist game that plays movies? I guess. Are we splitting yeah. hairs? That's not splitting hairs at all. FMV game. It's like the mechanic is watching the movie and yeah. then reacting to it. All right. Uh, in Seventh Guest, you're rewarded with them. Yeah, otherwise, I guess Command and Conquer would count as an FMV game, which it right. isn't. Yeah, exactly. Space! So it has to be a game that's like, it's got a really good concept slash characters slash whatever, but the game itself is unplayable. And yeah. it's so unplayable that you'd rather play an FMV game. Uh, so Sonic 06 again. <laughs> Wahoo! Sure, we can end on that joke. Sure. <laughs> okay, so what beloved game would be most improved by being ported into an FMV game? I was just talking about FMV games. I, I accidentally said the, the recent plague of FMV games when I meant to say the recent wave of FMV games, or FMV-like games. And I'm thinking games like Until Dawn. You know what? Even games like Detroit Become Human, that's just kind of a, a puffed-up FMV game. 
uh, heavy rain. It's just a just a puffed up, bloated, sort of blimped up FMV game. Basically, if we're talking an FMV game, is a game where you make minimal decisions and then watch dramatic things unfold. I actually think, I, I actually think a lot of games. I'm talking dinner time games, football manager games, right? So just like a dinner time game, if you make a game an FMV game, you turn it into a dinner time game. And games don't give you time to pick up your food and take a bite of it, especially with god darn loading times are going to be shrinking to absolute nothingness in this next hardware generation. I think, and with the fact that like stuff like Twitch streams are becoming as popular as video games, they're, the amount of money being made by advertisements on Twitch streams is, is just rivaling the amount of money being made by video games being sold as video games. People want to watch games as much as they want to play them. I think video games should have a watch option. I think every video game should just, every one of these AAA games, I keep seeing Ghost of Tsushima being talked about on the internet. I don't really want to play it. Okay, here we go. Assassin's Creed. I think if I were able to make a decision every five minutes and then watch Assassin's Creed play itself, I think I would have more fun. If it was, maybe not every five minutes, maybe every 30 seconds, a menu pops up that's like, do you want to climb the the church to get to the top? And then I would just watch the guy like struggle, this AI struggle to climb to the steeple of this church. And then it would just offer me another menu uh, 30 seconds later. Every, no, every 50 seconds, 60 seconds, every 60 seconds, it asks for my input. It, it turns it into a dinner time game. Dinner time games. That's my, my big picture here. Assassin's Creed, all of them, the whole series. Let me FMV them. Next question. Uh, this may be a short one. Uh, Kiko asks, if you got eaten by Kirby, what power would he get? <laughs> Malaise. Oh, Pontificating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true of all of us. You're good at scanning stuff, Frank. I guess. <laughs> that's not really the core. Like, that comes from a core of hyperfixation. Yeah. Well, when we, when we think of Kirby enemies, they sort of telegraph what their power is by how they look. So maybe that's what we should be talking about, what we look like. Isn't there a Kirby enemy where if uh, Kirby swallows him, they just Kirby just falls asleep when you press the power button? Uh, that might be us. There should be. Mm, I think, I think might, we might be sleepy Kirby. So I guess for me, probably what you would get is, is um, this is channeling more my youth than the current, but you'd get like a head-banging power. I guess much like Bonk. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, wasn't going to say. You just get turned into you get you get bonk powers. You can you can bonk and you can <laughs> um, you can flip in the air and and slow down your your pace. And that comes from my my roots as a metal fan. So I think that would be that would be what you would get by eating. Okay. Me. Yeah. All right. I, I I'm I'm kind of leaning toward uh, my antisocial tendencies and wondering if there's a power that would allow him to like cross the street and walk away from the enemies instead. What if he could go behind the background for a limited amount of time and avoid enemies? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the way that I avoid people. That sounds good. There in Kirby's dreamland, there's this kind of enemy screen clearing ability where Kirby just yells really loudly and unpleasantly into a microphone. And Mm. uh, that's mine. Okay. I I can see that one. That's also my dog's ability. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you think Tim's is? What is Tim's? Uh, let's see. What's, what's, what's he talking about at this point in the show? We already had talked about the insurance. Yeah. Uh, he could talk uh, about the time he lived homeless in Japan. Yeah. Um, what about living in a hotel in Times Square in New York City? Or that yeah. time he lived in Hawaii. 
It could it could be about the ability to identify the best pizza. I I think Tim would make a really morbid joke about how if you press the B button, Kirby just dies. I think it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's my guess. So I know that when Kirby eats uh, other uh, other players in Super Smash Bros, he gains their ability, and usually it's some kind of a. Uh, I mean, he just gets these outlandish abilities from this outlandishly wide cast of characters, more so than he would ever encounter in one of his own games. So I know that Kirby absorbs what is usually the best quality of a person. So by asking me this question, you are asking me to 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 speak highly of myself. And there's a little secret, a little secret, something you might not know about me, which is that I do not like myself. I don't know what's good about me, for God's sake. I have no god darn clue. You asked me this question, literally the first thing to pop into my head was if you got eaten by, if, if Kirby ate me, he would just immediately want to just start eating every bag of popcorn that he sees at a gas station. That's what I thought of. I, I Because I've been here in New Hampshire on top of this goddamn mountain for three days now, and every time we, we go, we venture out into the wild to go to a gas station or a Walmart or a market basket or price chopper or whatever the weird supermarkets are called up around here where there's just dudes walking around in Alex Jones t-shirts. I've seen four Alex Jones t-shirts. The t-shirt says, don't censor me. We are all Alex Jones. Freaking me the heck out. It's just, God darn, my brain feels like it's on fire. But for some reason, every time I'm in one of these God darn supermarkets, market basket, I, I, I want to just buy a bag of popcorn. I'm encountering popcorn brands I've never seen before. And I, I just want to eat every popcorn brand that I've never seen before. Just give me that God darn popcorn. That's all I can think of. If Kirby would eat me, he would just want to eat popcorn. I, I can't think of anything nice to say about myself. Well, what power would he gain? I don't think any of the things I do that people think of me as doing, that I do well. Well enough for Kirby's whatever central nervous system mechanism to acknowledge as the one thing to take away from me. I just don't think there is that thing. I think he would just look exactly like himself, and then he would be hungry. Next question on the docket. This is number nine. It comes from an anonymous user. This anonymous user asks, The design of Clover Studios' Okami was modeled after the Sume-e style of brush painting. What other high art movements or techniques, visual and otherwise, would make for a good video game, and how could they be used? Sume-e. Yeah, I, I actually worked on a game that was based on that style of painting and you were able to put together your own little landscape that would then animate and it was like we had a a, a grand master consulting on it and then i was publishing it and then the developer asked for it to get delisted and so now it no longer exists the end that's a All little right. treat for everybody there what other good styles job. would be good impressionism impressionism kandinsky i mean you know how uh mizuguchi loves goddamn Kandinsky and is trying to go with synesthesia all the time uh, with Res and what other, whatever other kinds of games he's doing. Um, I think that's... I guess it's already sort of in progress, but that's that's one. What about like a Keith Haring street art video game? Yeah. I mean, I guess in a way things like... Well, not n- not similar to Keith, but street art is definitely celebrated in all of those skateboarding and inline skating games sure in a certain way but i guess it doesn't go all the way there was that um canceled square enix game that was 100 percent finished which had a huge street art component i wonder if tim would get around to mark echoes getting up 
when he gets to the mm. I'm I, I can't there's this hyper realistic style that I'm trying to Google for that I can't find of just like you know, up close on a pinball and you see all of the, the reflections and things like that. Or paintings of food where the colors are somehow more vibrant than real life and mm-hmm. it just looks really real for that reason. Um, whatever that is could be good for some kinds of games. Something like a New Marble Madness or something that's just weirdly realistic would be cool. A game that literally uses high art as a key design component is uh, Johann Sebastian Joust where mm. you're listening to classical music, which defines the tempo and mechanics of the game. Yeah, you but know I, what? Th- I assumed visual art style is what we were talking about here. said, right? and other. Oh, and uh, other. Okay, well, that, that opens up the possibility space a bit too much for me. You know what? High art's a scam. Yeah. That's true. It's just how you get around taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Pointillism, I guess, was used in the, uh, in the old Oberdin there. That's true. Uh, more or less. Who's that goddamn guy? The big shapes, little squares. I'm, I'm big bl- shapes and little squares. No, big shapes and squares. He loves squares. Oh, okay. I, I'm I'm blanking on his name, but you know, like Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn wore a dress that was his big squares. Ah oh, man, it's so it's so obvious and he's so famous. But anyway, more big squares, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever that aesthetic is on like every '60s pinball machine. Yeah. That's true. It's weird that there haven't been more games like that. I mean, I guess a lot of those were pretty firmly rooted in misogyny, but you you could do it without that. I guess it's like all of that is just Frank Frazetta and Boris Vallejo. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the more like... Oh, uh, the 70s-y, like like psychedelia. Yeah, the psychedelic stuff, yes. Inspired. Yeah, that would be cool. Actually, I haven't seen a lot of that. That's not... Is that high art, though? I mean, there's at least one artist that did stuff like that that sells million dollar paintings Um, i think it i think it counts like it was also i think a lot of the that 70s poster art which which a lot of that was based on got elevated into high art later Mm. i Uh, know classical art people make a big deal about how rembrandt uses light uh maybe that could be something for a video game all right yeah ray tracing yeah Yeah. ray tracing rembrandt (laughs) ray ray tracing is the rembrandt of video games i I mean ray is short for rembrandt yeah, I guess it is. First of all, high art aren't. I thought we decided video games were high art. Uh, that's a joke. Um, so you're talking about Sumier painting. You know, Sumier paintings always remind me of the the song uh, Sumier no Sekaye by Sadistic Mika Band. Uh, that's my recommendation for the week. Or Sumier no, no Kunie, I believe is the name of the song. Sorry. So Sumier no Kunie toward the 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 country of of drawn in ink drawings where there's the line Sumier no Sekaino Nemuriwo Yusaburu Tame in order to uh, shake the sleep of a world drawn in ink. It's about the, the, the black ships arriving uh, in, in Japan at the, at the uh, what would become the start of the Meiji era. You know, okay, w- w- what am I talking about? <laughs> High art techniques? But how about all of them? There's a whole bunch of them. I mean, I guess pixel art has already kind of done pointillism, right? Uh, that's a joke. Uh, there's, I just watched the movie Clueless the other day where a character describes another character as like a Monet. The closer you get to it, the harder it is to see. Maybe that would be cool, or, or the, the the worse it looks, the closer you get to it, it looks fine from a distance. Interesting. Uh, that's that's something that, uh, what if there was a Monet-style video game where you would have to get really far away from stuff in order to see it? Well, uh, maybe that is also a lot of just kind of early 3D games uh, with, with bad textures. I know. Okay, actually, this is no joke. Um, Technicolor. 
that is the high art, the visual high art. I don't know if it's a movement or a it's a technique. It's a technique. It's not a movement. It's a technique. Technicolor. I remember playing the uh, the game Rise of the Argonauts on the Xbox. I enjoyed that game. I thought it was an interesting game, an RPG with no numbers or whatever. It was it was a very interesting game. Though I just remember wishing that we I had a game that looked like Jason and the Argonauts or a game that looked like the Adventures of Robin Hood. And it's like you get people like God darn Ubisoft making their Assassin's Creed games. Give me an Assassin's Creed game. Give me a Technicolor option in your Assassin's Creed game. That's what I want. Technicolor. Ben-Hur, baby. Uh, this is our last of the listener questions in this very special asynchronous episode. It's a wide-open question and another anonymous user. Design the worst video game crossover. Hmm. hmm. Battle Toads. <laughs> and Double Dragon. Double Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate team. It's uh, like Battletoads and then something good. <laughs> yeah. Ba- Battletoads and The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Con- Conquer's Bad Fur Day and um, Life is Strange. Oh, I mean, if we're going worse, like, oh, that's just wrong, it would be Conquer's Bad Fur Day and That Dragon Cancer. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's terrible. How, yeah, how, you could you could go even further and and have that dragon cancer and uh, uh, oh man, I'm dragon I'm, quest. I'm, I'm blanking on it. No, it's the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. That dragon quest cancer. Ridiculous. Get some. There's some I don't even want to mention, like Custer's Revenge. But uh, yeah, we maybe we shouldn't go down the the path of actually worse. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That could get really weird. I think the the magic is there with the like Bubsy and I don't know Last of Us or or, or Uncharted or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Any anything where the developers are trying to be serious and then you throw yes zero the Kamikaze Squirrel in there. Actually, I think like yeah, I think Bubsy and Uncharted would actually kind of work. I take that one back. <laughs> uh, Shin Megami Tensei featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. I think that would work. That, I mean, that that's, would work. I, I would totally buy that that was a, a franchise. That's good because that build. exists. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, all right. Madden 97 and... Madden 98. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, which year is this league? The lineups make no sense. He was a free agent. I was about to say SimCity and Earth Defense Force, but now I that I think about that. it, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that XCOM? I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. You're not like setting all the buildings down and blowing them up. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's hated '90s mascot with current serious game. Sure, is is the magic here? There so, you go. Uh, I, I want to awesome put... possum. Oh yeah, and the the modern god of war, Boogerman and Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, Jazz Jackrabbit and Gears of War. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I want to I want to put something with a modern bad game like Bomberman Act Zero, but what? Well, hmm, because it's like it's not, there's no character there. There's a there's a Bomberman. You say so. <laughs> He's on the cover. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's nothing to be done with that. It uh, feels it feels like there's something there that I'm missing. Yeah, I think I think the I think the magic is a character you hate. Right. The mm-hmm. character you hate in a thing you love. Well, it doesn't have to be a thing I love. I don't love any of these serious games right. we just talked about, but it, it's, it's got to be that. Like, it's got to, it, it has to be like hand in the air, jerk off motion game. Right. Uh, with Bubsy. Yeah. Yeah. Bub- Bubsy and Bioshock. 
Yeah, that's a good one. There we go. Bubs O'Shea. <laughs> How did they all die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, so when you say design the worst video game crossover, I feel like any any question that starts with design the worst, like that kind of prompt just kind of invites me to be mean and insincere. So instead of being mean and insincere and just being like Kingdom Hearts, LMAO, I'm going to go ahead and put a little bit too much thought into this. So here's here's what I've got percolating in my head right now. I'm going to let you inside my head for a couple seconds. So I think that crossovers just in general on principle are just kind of bad in general most of the time because you can't just slam two things together and and they're bad and i think more often than not a crossover is disappointing because it will combine two or more things right that you like or that people like and that's just the whole thrust of the appeal and you're disappointed so i know for from some uh dabbling in the marketing sciences that if you just connect two things together you strengthen the appeal of both of them so like a song with a music video featuring actors from a movie benefits both the movie and the song etc so crossovers are all about the lowness of the effort and if you're a fan of both things you might walk into a crossover and just immediately feel like you just got kind of tricked out of your money so the more attached you are to all of the elements in a crossover, or at least two or more of the elements in a crossover, the worse you're just going to feel in general. So I can't hate a crossover like Chaos Wars, right? Which is just what it's like, some some red, some Atlas, some Idea Factory, some games I, I don't really know or care about that have been slammed together. I'm sure it's bad, right? It's just a, it's just a whole strength in numbers kind of crossover. Like, I can't say that that's bad because I don't really have any stock in those. So for a crossover to be bad, it would have to involve stuff that I actually care about. So I think if I love Dragon Quest and Mario are my two favorite video game series, is this, and I think if you did a crossover of Dragon Quest and Mario and Final Fantasy, whatever they tried to do, it'd probably, I know it would suck. It'd probably inexplicably be like a Musou game. So that's my answer. Our lightning round this week, we're playing... Uh variation of name design name design is usually where i give you a title of something and you have to design a game based on the title alone i'm slightly tweaking the premise here in this case you have to imagine that you have discovered a game with this title and imagine what that game is like so you're not designing it you're assuming what this game is like based on the title okay are you giving us like a system too the uh no you would you would have to tell me what system you would think it's for so we're like we found it in a thrift store exactly right? looking at the box uh so this week we're doing all names of ships from star wars and okay. uh i some well-known ones in there some obscure pulls i'm gonna mix them up we'll start with the radiant seven radiant seven Ooh. uh that is a ps2 budget double a game yeah, it's based on the on the movie The Radiant Seven, but they couldn't afford any of the actual actors, so yeah. they all just vaguely look like them. Oh, yeah, and they uh, their mouths don't move when they talk in the cutscene. Right, Radiant Seven uh, sounds like a visual novel, uh, probably a, a, a reverse harem style. Razor Crest. That's Genesis for sure. That's Genesis. That's, that's like Technosoft Genesis something. Yeah, it's um, I think it's a. It's like a middling RPG that doesn't like the name was the coolest part of it, yeah. and uh, and and it had really nice cover art. And then you get into it, and it's like someone who played Dragon Quest once and had three months to make an RPG. Yeah, perfect. 
Razor Crest sounds like I'm just thinking like Demon's Crest. I'm thinking it sounds like a game about maybe maybe a, a what do you call it like a warthog, a, a Metroidvania about a warthog. Luxury three thousand. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is a. Uh... Okay, this is like a this is a this is a late '90s Windows PC CD-ROM game that is uh, trying to be funny. It's it's like uh, the X farce uh, or or pissed the mist uh, parody. Oh, interesting. <laughs> or I... it's a or it might even be a series of like desktop utilities. I was gonna go the um, like casino game collection. Um, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. I like okay. that. Yeah. Like yeah. 3,000 Le- games. Right. Leisure, leisure 3,000? Yeah. Is that it? Luxury okay, 3,000. Luxury 3,000. Okay, it is, uh, it, is a, it is a PC Engine CD Japan only uh, casino game. I like nice. that a lot. Pachinko. Luxury 3,000 sounds like a, uh, uh, a, 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 like a really, really strange modified version of SimCity sold only to billionaires. Fulminatrix. What is it? Fulminatrix. Fulminatrix. It's, um, a, it's... it's a furry dominatrix <laughs> <laughs> um, that got mistranslated on the way to the US. And it's a launch title on the PS5. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Fulminatrix? Fulminatrix sounds like a, uh, a, a 2D, not a 2D, but a, like a side-scrolling shoot-em-up game. I guess I'm just thinking Mars Matrix. So I'm thinking about shooting games. It just—it sounds like a shooting game that would have only been on the Dreamcast. That's—that's uh, that's, uh, no, it would have been on the Xbox, and it would have been by Sega, and it would have been made by Smilebit, the makers of uh, what was that game? Gun Valkyrie, Fulminatrix, Gun Valkyrie Two. That's my answer. Tie Fighter. Okay, that is a Commodore sixty-four black belt game, or like a like a crappy one-on-one fighter. Okay, so I, I was. I was almost in the same zone. I was thinking a Commodore era platforming game where you throw your bow tie mm. at, at at the enemies. High um, fighter. Okay, oh, I so got now, bi- now you're like budget on cassette Commodore. Yes, I got a bingo right, yeah. because I was expecting both of you to go both of those ways. Great. <laughs> tie fighter sounds like a, a classic PC arcade style uh, a flight sim shoot 'em up game. That's a joke. No, Tie Fighter to me sounds like a a a PC Engine mascot platformer game where you play as a, a super deformed like a chibi, a chibis, a, a chibis, uh, a salary man who's wearing like a suit and a tie, and you can punch. And it's all about just getting to work. Uh, you just have to get to work on time. There you go. That's my answer there. Tie Fighter Supremacy. Oh, that is a Psygnosis game on the Amiga with yes. really amazing painting, and then you play it and it's garbage, but it has really good parallax. And everything <laughs> bounces. Yeah. <laughs> Supremacy. That just sounds like a, a bland real-time strategy game from, like, it came out, like, maybe maybe a real-time strategy game that came out, like, a week before Dune 2, the battle for Arrakis, and no, everybody just forgot about it. That's That's Supremacy. Invisible Hand. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's say... a PS2 horror game. Oh, okay, that's one way to go. I was thinking maybe a it was a Wii game where you are the invisible hand and you have to lift stuff and put it down. And they didn't really figure out what the game was, but oh, like a really really <laughs> early Wii game. Yeah, they just or had a that Connect idea. game. Yeah, or a Connect game too. Invisible Hand. 
Invisible Hand sounds like it's probably some kind of a dungeon crawling rogue style game, a roguelike game. It's a very dark and uh, it 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 kind of sucks and nobody actually likes it. Skyhopper. That's one. NES. That's that's oh. like okay, 1987 sure. NES game, and it's uh you're you're an airplane with like a, a head coming out of it. You can you know you're flying around your little biplane shooting stuff, kind of like uh, uh, tailspin on NES, but also you can land, and when you land, your your uh, your your biplane sprouts legs, and you can run around. Oh, I'd play I'm, that. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's that. I I went straight for Jumping Flash because of the title. So that's, oh, that's, I like that too. That's Either way, there's there. a robust speedrunning community. Yes, Skyhopper, I believe, is a is a PlayStation One uh, 2.5D platform game that has story segments that are way too long. For some reason, just they're just way too long. There's just way too much talking. I'm thinking kind of like Tomba. Game kind of like that. Final answer. Death Star. Okay, Death Star. That's a that's Atari twenty six hundred. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's a, a really... Star Wars game. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a Star Wars ripoff on the Atari twenty six hundred. It's just a really generic uh, shooting stuff in space from your spaceship game. Yeah. Death Star. Death Star sounds like uh, Death Star is a pinball game, bro. There's no way Death Star is definitely a pinball game. It's like a cult classic pinball game that that people talk about going to the pinball museum in Alameda. It's like, oh, you got to play Death Star, dude. If you, if you if you're down there, check out Death Star, bro. It's one of the only working machines left, and everyone reveres it for whatever reason. It's got very heavy metal sort of uh, aesthetics about it. And finally, Millennium Falcon. Okay. God. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I I was going for suddenly like PSVR. I don't know why. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna roll it back. I don't know why this one's harder. Well, because it's like I don't want to make it a game about a falcon, right? Um, and then the Millennium thing is like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, it does sound a little bit like kind of like Operation Millennium Falcon, like some kind of Call of Duty ripoff. Oh, that's right, but true. We don't have that word on there. It's just Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Um, Okay, for some reason, it's now a PS2 secret agent game. I think I think you're onto something, right? Um, I think it's got a female protagonist. Sure, it's a um, no one lives forever type. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. How about, how about this? Um, her her name is her code name is Falcon Falcon, and it's the turn of the millennia. It's 1999. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And um and all the and there's a worry that the whole world is gonna blow up in the year 2000 with the white someone bug. Yeah, and yeah, someone who's trying to work to make sure it happens, and she has to stop them. You nailed it. Yeah, this That's is exactly one it. game in the very successful PS2 Falcon series. That's right. <laughs> Millennium Falcon is probably a, a, a Berserk game. I'm thinking. I think it just reminds me of Berserk. It's it's strange uh, just having doing this sort of a disassociation exercise, reading all of these. Well, first of all, I don't know most of these names, though. You lump. Yeah, I'm just looking at this list just typed out here. And you lump all of these together, and you, you throw TIE Fighter, Death Star, and Millennium Falcon in there, and it's just, uh, it makes Millennium Falcon look like at home among these, like, weird names. So Millennium Falcon, for some reason, just seeing it here, like this, just makes me think of Berserk. So, I just can't stop thinking about Berserk. So Millennium Falcon is a is a Dark Souls-like game with a, a, a late 90s anime aesthetic. That's what it is final answer from me and that's all i've got 
Goodbye. All right. I think I'm going to give that one to Brandon unless Tim comes up with something really good. And I'll listen to that later. Uh, nice. Do you guys have anything you'd like to recommend this episode? Oh. Oh, yeah. I don't remember if I recommended the band Choir Boy before. Did I do that? Um, If you can't, if you can't remember if you did it, you can do it again. Okay. Yeah. Well, they have a new... They knew, they have a new album out called uh, Gathering Swans, I think, and they're just my favorite band of the last five years or something like that. Um, they yeah, I, I kind of didn't even know there were bands in the last five years. They 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 keep they keep having bands, and I saw them as a they were opening for two other bands that I knew, and I didn't know them so well. But before going to this concert, because just my girlfriend and I wanted to go to a concert because you could do that at the time. Uh, this is a couple years back. We listened to them and I was like, holy crap, this is what I want to see. And when I saw them, I was like, this is probably what it's like to see, I don't know, Tears for Fears or one of those other relatively short-lived but really impactful bands before they got famous. It They're just such good performers. The, the vocalist sounds like a mixture between the singer from erasure and annie lennox and i was like there's no way he's gonna sing like this in real life in person at this show and he totally did and it it blew my mind so uh check out the song complainer as a as a taster and see what you think it's pretty good i'm actually writing that down uh frank you got anything yeah um i'm gonna recommend a video game can we do that uh (laughs) it's unprecedented but i'll allow it (laughs) Uh, I went back to the original Deadly Premonition, and it is a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, I am surprised. I mean, I loved it at the time, obviously, but I'm surprised at just how good it is. Uh, it's it's just got so much meat to it, and uh, do not... Uh, it, it, it pains me to say this because it looks great, but uh, don't play it on PC because it just crashes literally every time you play. Mm-hmm. I could run it in 4K with nice shaders and stuff like that. It just crashes every time. And in fact, this last crash um, corrupted my save file. So kind of can't continue anymore. Play it on the Xbox 360. Yeah. What I find striking about revisiting it is that nothing feels weird now. Like it just kind of feels straightforward and um, anything that kind of felt unintentional Back when it came out ten years ago, uh, I I now perceive as being uh, uh, very orchestrated in this game. It also feels like it. I don't want to say influenced things, but it it like it feels yeah. It, it feels got contemporary absorbed now. into the into the narrative somehow. Like it it people people it it entered the conversation and didn't leave in a way. I agree. Like, I, I think at the time it felt like this brand new weird thing and it just doesn't feel weird now. And I don't think it's, you know, because I'd played it before. I think it's because video games may have learned from this game in subtle ways that I, that I don't think we understand yet. It's pretty yeah. cool. Stuff caught up. So I've got some recommendations. I'm not sure I've made these before, but I would recommend that you go to iTunes or Stitcher or any podcast distributing platform and give us a rating and a review it's always very nice when you do that it helps increase our visibility get our word out there to the good people uh, you could go to patreon.com slash insert credit and join all these fine folks who submitted their own questions through the feature there to do so uh, doing that will uh, subscribing at any level will get you 
uh, one-day early access to the episodes. You'll get your own unique colors on the Insert Credit forum, forum.insertcredit.com, where uh, you can talk about the show. We all hang out. There's a really good thread going right now about video game t-shirts. Uh, I like that one. There, You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Brandon's at Necrosofty. Frank's at Frank Cifaldi. Tim is at 108. You can send thanks to our editor, Blaine Brown, and to the guy who put together our snazzy original soundtrack, which is here and possibly growing in the future, Kurt Feldman. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, maybe Tim has some other nuggets that he left for us in the other stream, but there's literally no way for us to know because <laughs> I don't think we'll ever listen to it. <laughs> I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Safali. And I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved. Well, baseball was a bad idea. <laughs>